Renegade Talk Radio. America was never great. One, two, three, four. Slavery, genocide, and war. While America sleepwalks through the 2020 decade with a treasonous zombie criminal at the helm. The most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. You from Syria? No. Hey, well, why is it a big secret? According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. The Nashville shooter, the trans woman demand who went in to the little Christian school and shot those little kids and shot those teachers. The manifesto was suppressed when it happened, and we now have confirmed from insiders it was the Justice Department suppressing it. Uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. This monster was brainwashed and poisoned by leftist propaganda. Reportedly from the sources, she was a total brainwashed leftist on a bunch of psychotropics that love BLM, you name it. Arrested after police say she crashed her car into a building thinking it was a Jewish school. Police say the woman told them that she did it on purpose after seeing an Israel school sign on the door. She also reportedly made references to, quote, her people back in Palestine. A Jewish man has died from injuries after a confrontation with protesters. The incident happened Sunday as Palestine. Palestinian protesters gathered near the intersection of Westlake Boulevard and Thousand Oaks Boulevard. And this evening, we we received word from the Jewish Federation of Los Angeles that the man has died. The most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today, white supremacy is terrorism. Joe Biden wouldn't know a threat to the United States if it bit him, and it nearly did. China is flooding every inch of Earth with its rising dominance. As a military power, China's navy is now the largest in the world. The dollar is now openly regarded to be on life support. As Foreign Policy magazine reported, BRICS is likely to strip the dollar of its hegemony over global trade, even if it doesn't have a single currency. BRICS currently comprises Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, but will soon be joined by Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE this coming January. Estimated to represent nearly half of the global GDP by 2040. BRICS also expands control over commodities and increases leverage in financial holdings. China has quietly taken control of larger portions of key global trade arteries, including the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. Meanwhile, thousands of military-aged Chinese men flood into the United United States from Chinese camps located in Panama. I cannot stress enough how important Panama is. It is absolutely vital, right? And Panama is being destabilized. And it's being it's being taken by the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party. China's Belt and Road Initiative, racing up through South and Central America, is built on the back of a compromised U.S. president, allowing nearly 8 million illegals, partly comprised of foreign military-aged men and terrorists, into the United States under his three-year term, dwarfing the amount that came in under two terms of Obama and one term of Donald Trump. While Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum lays waste to the sovereignty of the Netherlands as Schwab Town, or the Tri-State City, is built to serve as a hub for the New World Order's Great Reset Agenda. This is a city that will consist of about 30 million people if it goes according to plan. It's most of Netherlands, a part of Belgium, and part of Germany. That's the Tri-State. 
the end of the railway that goes all the way from Shanghai and other feeders in China ends at Rotterdam Harbor, which is in Tri-State City, which is at the mouth of the Rhine River, which is like the Mississippi for Europe, right? So Rotterdam Harbor is one of the biggest in the world, one of the top 10, and it's the largest in Europe. Just south of Tri-State, of, of uh, Rotterdam Harbor is is Antwerp, which is the second largest harbor in Europe. Those will both be in Tri-State City. And so bottom line is this is not just about uh, weaponized migration. The weaponized migration are one weapon that they're bringing to the war. They're like the tanks, right? They've also got, they're, they're building the new Silk Road. While more U.S. banks continue to fail and the West is in a state of kinetic terror-driven chaos, once the dollar has been sufficiently diminished, central bank digital currencies will flood the globe, unleashing a totalitarian nightmare the world can barely imagine. John Bound reporting. Watching the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Good morning, everyone. This is the American Journal. It is an honor and a pleasure to be back with you. I had such a great weekend, an awesome time on TimCast with Tim Pool and Ian Crossland and Hannah Claire and the others from that podcast. What a great time it was to be in a different state doing something special on another show. That was fun, but I'm so glad to be back. I missed you guys all very much. I know that Harrison misses this show very much as well, and don't worry. You can always see him in the afternoon on War Room. But uh, also keep in mind that we are probably going to try to have Harrison. I haven't told the crew about this yet. We're probably going to try to have him do uh, Fridays just to sort of touch base with you guys. Uh, and I'll do the war room on Friday afternoon. So that's not uh, in the books yet. But very exciting things going on. Very exciting times. So much news to cover. Obviously, we had a bunch of major elections the other day. We've got this Trump lawsuit going on. We've got World War Three starting sort of in the Middle East. And it's hard to know where to begin. So I think the best place for me to start would be with the clip of Trump's lawyer. She had an awesome sort of press conference the other day. Very impressive woman. Let's do clip 14. Coming from the judge who has already predetermined that my client committed fraud before we even walked into this courtroom. I'm not here to hear what he has to say then why exactly am I being paid as an attorney and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. Because Ms. James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar, call the company fraudulent, and make a name for herself. She said this morning that the numbers don't lie and they won't lie in this case. Well, Miss James, I have a message for you. The numbers didn't lie when you ran for governor and that's why you dropped out. And the numbers don't lie when President Trump runs for office in 2024. And those numbers are loud and clear. This country is falling apart. And if we don't stop corruption in courtrooms where attorneys are gagged, where attorneys are not allowed to say what they need to say to protect their clients' interests. It doesn't matter what your politics are. Everyone has a right in this country to get up and put a defense. I don't care who you are. 
You have a right to hire a lawyer who can put objections on the record. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. Because not every American citizen gets a camera and a microphone. And what I'm seeing is such a demise of American judicial system and democracy. Miss James came out this morning and said that she knew Mr. Trump, and she always calls him Mr. Trump because it kills her that he was the president. But the 45th president of this country, one of the best presidents we've had, has built a great company. It's worth a ton more than that statement of financial condition. And she doesn't know how to get out of it because her politics won't allow her. She calls him a bully. She says he's going to bring out racial slurs. He's going to say things today and taunt her. Well, Miss James, you taunted him. Before you came into office, before you saw one record, one statement of financial condition, you taunted him. You said, his administration was too male and too pale. Those are her words. She said that she and Michael Cohen were going to be his biggest nightmare. Where well, I have some news for you, Miss James. Michael Cohen folded, lied, and crumbled. Your star witness, along with all the DAs and corrupt AGs, need to be paying attention to what happens when you let us take the stand, when you let my client speak the truth, and the judge can tell me to sit down, and he can try and shorten my client's testimony, but it is loud and clear. They've got nothing. They've got nothing but their politics. She's got nothing but her Soros backing, which we discovered recently. And I am sick and tired of seeing it. Pay attention, America. Pay attention. Because when you're in court one of these days and you don't have a lawyer that has a microphone and you don't have a lawyer that can go on TV and you've got judges gagging them, what are you going to do? We need to fix this country. And we need to stop what is happening in this courtroom. President Trump is worth a lot more, and she wasn't ready for it. She doesn't understand it. And before she rushed to judgment, she should have thought about attacking somebody with over 50 years of real estate expertise who changed single-handedly the skyline of New York City. She picked the wrong person, and her politics will fail for it. She's got nothing but her Soros backing. Trump lawyer Alina Haba denounces New York AG Letitia James sham trial. Legal counsel Alina Habba forcefully rebuked the proceedings inside a New York City courtroom Monday, where she says she was railroaded and unlawfully gagged as she attempted to defend her client, former President Donald Trump. In a passionate statement to reporters outside the courtroom, as we just saw, Habba, who is representing Trump in his civil fraud case, strongly criticized Democrat New York Attorney General Letitia James over the kangaroo court trial, which she says will fail and ultimately waste taxpayer dollars. Quote, she said this morning that the numbers don't lie and they won't lie in this case, Habba said. Well, Miss James, I have a message for you. The numbers didn't lie when you ran for governor, and that's why you dropped out. And the numbers don't lie when President Trump, run, Trump runs for office in 2024. Those numbers are loud and clear. Habba went on to say, the country is on the verge of tearing apart if Democrats don't stop unlawfully using the justice system to system systematically target political opponents and spoke out against her treatment in the courtroom by Judge Arthur Angeron. 
who she depicted as unhinged. So I am hopeful about this attorney's statement that we are going to see the just outcome here for Trump, that nothing's going to stand up. But in a kangaroo court, it doesn't really matter whether or not things stand up or not. I mentioned last week when I was on air that Jenna Ellis's confession reminded me a lot of Otto Warmbier's confession in North Korea. He was that student, of course, that was studying abroad and was arrested for allegedly stealing a poster or taking a poster off of the wall of the hotel that he was staying in. And, of course, they made him do this very humiliating sort of North Korea-style confession on television, and they sentenced him to I don't know how long it was. It was years of hard labor and Basically, he ended up dying, and they didn't even get him back to the United States until Trump was president, though he was taken prisoner under the Obama administration. And I think he had, like, they said it was botulism, but it seemed like he'd been tortured. I mean, this is just, it was a brutal thing that happened to this kid. I actually know someone who knew him from church camp when they were kids. And so when you have a kangaroo court, it doesn't really matter whether or not you're guilty or innocent, if everything's fixed, if the game is rigged. And so that's the real question here. And some of these things that we see happening to Trump remind me of what we've seen happen to the likes of Alex Jones, things like judgments and determinations being made without a jury, things like gag orders, things like not being able to read your own contract as it pertains to the case that you're under, where Trump wasn't allowed to read the clause in his contract about some of the details regarding the case at all. And the only reason they really care about this is because they actually know that Trump's going to win. They know that he could win. And I think that it might actually imply that he, in their minds, they know that he won last time because if they thought they beat him last time, and if they thought they could beat him this time, then why would they waste so much time, effort and energy going after him, prosecuting him and persecuting him when they could just move on? It's because they know he's a real threat. We'll get more into that in the next segment. But CNN poll just recently said that Trump narrowly leads Biden in hypothetical rematch. And I believe these numbers are backed up by other outlets as well, including the New York Times. One year out of Election Day 2024, former President Donald Trump narrowly leads President Joe Biden 49 percent to 45 percent among registered voters. In a hypothetical rematch in the latest CNN poll conducted by SSRS, Biden's reelection chances are buffeted. By deeply negative approval ratings, a stagnant sense that things are going poorly in the United States, diminished support among key voter blocks, and a widespread sense that he is not up for the job. Stick with us, folks. We're going to get into more details in the next segment, more great news to cover today. In the meantime, make sure that you visit InfoWarsStore.com. It is the reason that we're still on the air. It is the reason that we're able to come to you with the truth and broadcast through and past the mainstream narratives that seek to blind you, there is a war on for your mind that help us find it at A lot of listeners have complained in the last two years that our amazing high-quality coffee has not been available. And that's because the prices went up too high for the raw beans and the quality had gone down some. I turned down so many companies that wanted to work with us. But now... We have brought back the coffee, and it's even better from a national supplier that's veteran-owned and veteran-operated. It's powered by the company Minuteman Coffee. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best-tasting, best-smelling, strongest coffee that I have ever drank. It is game-changing. All you got to do is buy a bag of it. 
and try it. I know you're going to be hooked, which will then fund our Operation A360 win. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now for Escape the Prison Planet Light Roast. That's the strongest. The amazing Medium Roast Wig of America. And finally, the best tasting Dark Roast Tip of the Spear, now exclusively available at InfoWarsStore.com. Get your coffee now. You're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to say in the next 60 seconds. Two new incredible products are now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. They are both clones of national best-selling products from a major pharmaceutical-slash-supplement maker that are listeners and patriots that are allowing us to private label it at a lower price you'll find in stores. It's Joint Relief Max and Nerve Renew. Both of these have known documented natural compounds to lower pain and to also make your nerves healthier, which is one of the major reasons nerves get irritated and are more inductive to pain. There's major research behind this all. You need to get Joint Relief Max from InfoWars MD and Nerve Renew from InfoWars MD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Introducing them both, 25% off. You'll find them exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com and they fund their operation. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal. Ladies and gentlemen, new article from The Washington Post, how Trump's court appearance played out in his New York fraud trial. We covered some of what his lawyer said in the last segment some of how this kangaroo court is playing out. Grievances, insults, tangents. Trump brings his 2024 campaign into the courtroom. I love how they frame it as if he's just exploiting or using this as an opportunity. I mean, of course he would. Of course he should. But they make it like it's his character fault that he's being dragged into this court. Monday's testimony in a civil case offered a glimpse of the extraordinary intersection of a presidential candidate's political strategy and conduct in court. New York Donald Trump portrayed himself as the victim of election interference and a political witch hunt. He talked about crime in the streets of New York, and he decried the weaponization of a judicial system that he alleges, without evidence, is unfairly targeting him. Without evidence. Well, if he knows he's innocent, then that would be evidence as far as he's concerned in in terms of being justified in forming his own personal opinion about it. But the former president wasn't Speaking at a campaign rally in Iowa or New Hampshire, his typical venue for airing grievances, baseless claims, and other invective, according to the Washington Post here. Instead, he appeared Monday inside a courtroom here in the city where he has spent most of his adult life. New York Attorney General Letitia James was alleging that he and his company falsely inflated property values to gain lending advantages. And Trump was on the witness stand. As he testified for several hours at 60 Center Street, Trump insulted James, calling her a political hack. He frequently sparred with the judge in the case, New York Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron, at one point saying he called me a fraud and he didn't know anything about me. Trump at times looked annoyed or bored. I'm sure it was annoying and boring. Holding his hands in his lap as he faced questions from Kevin Wallace of the Attorney General's office about the Trump Organization's past financial statements, Trump shook his head and sat back in his chair as his lawyers argued with Engeron. He called the process a crazy trial so not only do they want to charge him with crimes that he didn't commit crimes that have no victim by the way so 
the lender is not a plaintiff in this case. They just brought this suit against them because they were digging desperately for anything they could find. But they are deriding him now for not having a good attitude about the fact that he's in these sham trials. I've never heard of anyone going to court or facing a lawsuit over lying on financial records for a loan that they paid off in full. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever that this would be done. And I, I can't even fathom how they would stack a court with so many entities, so many individuals who so brazenly hate this man. His lawyer, of course, said, as we went over in the last segment, they were refusing to even refer to him as President Trump. They were calling him Mr. Trump, which is incredibly disrespectful. I wouldn't even call Biden Mr. Biden. If I was interacting with Joe Biden, I would call him Mr. President, even if I insulted him, just because you have to have respect for the office. So this is a court, a judicial system, a department of justice that totally disregards and disrespects half of the country. They hate the entire movement that he stands for. His slogan, it's not me thereafter, it's you, I'm just in the way, was absolutely correct. And the fact that they're treating him with such disrespect here, especially before he's been convicted of anything, is just indicative of the real motive behind the crime that is this prosecution, that are these prosecutions. Speaking of mistreatment, we got breaking news here on InfoWars. Congress investigating the mistreatment of journalist Owen Schroyer in federal prison. Let's go ahead and run clip four. I was very heartened by your discussion of site visits to our prisons to get a firsthand understanding of what's going on there. Uh, sometimes members of Congress have had challenges doing that. Could you give us some advice if, if we wanted to glean those benefits and get that firsthand uh, experience? But what's the best way for us to go about that with your team? Thank you, Congressman. So if you have your team reach out to our Office of Legislative Affairs, we will be happy to make that arrangement. Thank you so much. Um, does the Bureau of Prisons retaliate against people based on, political, on, on constitutionally protected speech? I have been very clear that retaliation will not be stood for on my watch. And, and you're confident that that's being observed throughout the Bureau? I'm confident that message has been delivered, and if anyone engages in retaliation, we will hold them accountable. Are you familiar with the matter of John Strand? That name is not familiar to me, okay, no. So Mr. Strand was a witness at a hearing that we had uh, regarding some of the civil rights concerns of people who had interacted with the Department of Justice in January 6th uh, matters. He was convicted, sentenced in his, at FCI Miami, and I had received a word that he had been placed into enhanced confinement and into higher acuity, uh, secure, securing uh, as a consequence of information that others had put out on his Twitter feed. So is that something you, does that ring a bell to you? Congressman, I wouldn't be able to speak to an individual's um, circumstances regarding their behavior inside our institutions. What I can assure you is that if an individual is placed in our special housing unit, it would be for conduct that happened inside the institution. So is, what's a special housing unit? Is that a special housing unit is one of our uh, restrictive housing placements that could include disciplinary segregation, protective custody, um, and would house individuals that either were at harm to harm their, themselves or others or had actually engaged in misbehavior inside our institutions. What, what I'm worried about is that Mr. Strand gave us testimony about some of his concerns and 
As you know, people give us testimony. We sort through what's right and wrong and should be acted on and shouldn't be acted on. It's not gospel. It's just testimony. Uh, But then thereafter, people were posting on some of his social media platforms his concerns about the treatment he'd received at the Bureau. And then I sent a letter to you concerned about that because, like you, I don't want anyone retaliated against for constitutionally protected speech. And, and thereafter, I got a letter back from the aforementioned Office of Legislative Affairs in your office, and they say, in part, Mr. Strand was moved to a secure housing unit with increased supervision and frequent employee contact on September 26, 2023, pending completion of an investigation. So I guess my question is, when, when someone, is that like akin to what we would normally think about as solitary confinement? Those words, secure housing unit with increased supervision and frequent employee contact? We would use the word restrictive housing. Okay. So what's this then? Because this guy's a non-violent, he was never violent toward anyone, so I'm just wondering why the, the assets that we fund for the highest acuity violent people would be used for this purpose. Uh, Congressman, we use that uh, special housing unit for individuals that... Um, engage in any sort of misconduct inside our institutions. I don't know what he he was found to be guilty of by our hearings administrative process that would warrant his uh, need to go into restrictive housing. But I assure you we have administrative processes that people have to go through before those placements actually occur. Yeah, I, I get that you, you can't know the conditions of every single prisoner throughout the Bureau. This is one I've ripened and sent to you because I am worried that throughout our our Department of Justice and and what we've endured, that there are some people who are sort of being used as pawns, and they're being mistreated in order to send a message to other people. And I'm grateful that you've said here that is not your doctrine. You don't want to see that happen. But you also haven't been able to share with us an entire confidence that that isn't happening in some cases. And I'm worried that it's, it's happening here. Have you heard of the matter of Owen Schreyer? No, that name is not familiar to me. Very similar fact pattern. You know, somebody who'd sort of spoken out, was, was prominent in the public, was convicted as a consequence of activities on January 6th, and now feels as though there's specific Bureau of Prison retaliation. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. Visit InfoWarsStore.com. More on this story in the next segment. Please uh, remember, we are listener-supported, and we've got something back in stock that everybody needs. That is so good to have in your medicine cabinet, sports broadcast. We've got the best 30 parts per million colloidal silver out there. It's Silver Bullet. It's at InfoWarsStore.com. And you want to support the show, plus have something in your medicine cabinet, have to give to others. It's topical. You can also take it orally. Uh, it is. It really does a lot of amazing things, anti-infection, you name it. Nothing's a silver bullet, but it's as close to a silver bullet as you're going to get. Silver Bullet, back in stock, discounted, Store. Com, and we also have Brain Force Ultra, the incredible fast-acting nootropic back in stock. 60% off part of the big sale. The new sale we've got, immune support, organic green fibers, 50% off. Those are both incredible. Vitamin D3 gummies, amazing. Infowarsstore.com or 888-253-3139. 888 Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Down on the street where the shine. 
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We saw a five-minute clip in the last segment of Matt Gates inquiring as to the way the January 6th protesters are being treated. He mentioned our very own Owen Schroyer by name. And though his discourse was polite with the woman that he was questioning, obviously there is tension in the space and there isn't a lot of awareness going on, I don't think, in our Department of Justice, our justice system, what the other hand is doing, so to speak. And it seems to me entirely unfair that we would have a situation where Owen Schroyer is facing his, I believe what, I hear, what I'm hearing is the rest of the month in solitary. I don't know if that's true or confirmed, but that's what Harrison mentioned to me yesterday when we were speaking in the halls here at the headquarters of InfoWars. And it was interesting because in that testimony, when Gates was inquiring, these sort of solitary confinement scenarios are supposed to occur because of something that the prisoner does inside of the prison. And it seems that they actually put him away because we broadcast his recorded outbound call. And I think that they were trying to put him away for broadcasting from the prison or something. I don't know what the details are, but I'm hearing that it's going to be the rest of the month. I'm not sure if that's true. Obviously, we're praying for him. Write him a letter if you can. I've written him one. I need to write him another one. Those types of things make the time go by much more quickly. Going on through this article here, breaking Congress investigating mistreatment of journalist Owen Schroyer in federal prison, Alex Jones breaks down the powerful footage of the House Judiciary Subcommittee investigating the disturbing reports. Of course, you can see that on band.video. During Tuesday's House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing, Representative Matt Gates grilled Bureau of Prisons Director Colette Peters about disturbing allegations of political retaliation by the agency. He says, my office has received disturbing allegations of political retaliation by the U.S. Bureau of Prisons against John Strand, USA, and Owen Schroyer, 1776. I'm looking forward to taking up Director Peters on her offer for on-site visits to investigate how J6 defendants are being treated. My office has received disturbing allegations, he goes on to say, and that will be very interesting to see what he discovers when he goes. Of course, they can always clean things up. It's like going to visit the Soviet Union during the Soviet Union. Even though the whole place was starving and in shambles, they would only take you to the nice places. So they clean everything up when they bring in a visitor to do the inspections. And then that might not actually be an accurate reflection of how things are. Of course, if he has the opportunity to speak with prisoners, then maybe he'll have the opportunity to hear the real story. Though even that can be shaky if you look at the history of Jonestown and what happened when that was investigated and when I believe it was a senator or congressman went to Jonestown and couple people had to slide him a really sly note to let him know that things weren't right there. And so even if he does, even if Gates does get time with these prisoners one-on-one to get their feedback on what they're experiencing, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they'll feel comfortable disclosing with him how things are really going on. During the hearing, Gates raised alarm to Peters, disturbing allegations that Owen Schroyer and others were being mistreated in order to send a message to other people. Of course, we heard her response there. Gates replied to Peters by expressing concern about the prosecution of anyone related to the events of January 6th, as well as eagerness to conduct site visits to monitor how prisoners are being treated. So I'm anxious to see how that plays out. It's a developing story. And as you know, we will keep you updated and informed here on InfoWars. Just to segue from the January 6th prisoner situation, we do have the January 6th persecution going on of our very own President Donald Trump. Headline here from NBC News is January 6th riot was a culmination of Trump conspiracies to overturn 2020 election, special counsel says 
in a new filing. So now they can just really stretch the truth as to what makes one complicit or culpable for the actions of a mob. And they can stretch out anything that he ever said on air, on the internet, at any rally, and try to steer that or interpret that in a direction suggesting that what happened on January 6th is because of Donald Trump. And it's not because Donald Trump was calling anybody to violence, but it was a combination of the fact that there were too few police officers there. There were bad actors in the crowd. And by bad actors, I mean members of the intelligence community. And there were a few actually criminal either protesters or Antifa or whatever. So that combination of things led to this happening. And I think that the establishment was totally happy with this happening because they knew that they could use it to leverage and wage a war on half the population for the next four years to secure their political power. And that's when we really started seeing the white supremacy rhetoric, the greatest threat to our national security being domestic terrorism or right-wing extremism. Let's hear from Mary Garland in clip eight here. The number of open FBI domestic terrorism investigations this year has increased significantly. According to an unclassified summary of the March intelligence assessment, the two most lethal elements of the domestic violence extremist threat are racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and militia violent extremists. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. So the claim from Jack Smith's office is that Donald Trump is responsible for the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th because they were the culmination of his conspiracies to overturn the 2020 presidential election, special counsel Jack Smith says in a new filing in the former president's federal election interference case. The filing is in response to Trump's motion to strike inflammatory references to the violence of January 6, 2021 from his criminal indictment on four charges related to his alleged efforts to interfere with the certification of Joe Biden's electoral victory. Senior Assistant Special Counsel Molly Gaston called Trump's motion a meritless effort to evade allegations that he was responsible for events at the Capitol that day. The thing that's so ridiculous to me about this is If Donald Trump really wanted to have an insurrection, then how come nobody that was there, nobody who was there was armed? He definitely could have incited violence if he wanted to. He could have ramped up the rhetoric and he he could have said, you have a second right amendment to carry a firearm anywhere in this country. I don't care what the rules in D.C. are. I'm the executive in D.C. right now. Come to D.C., bring your AR, show them what the right to bear arms actually means. He could have said all those things. That would have been way more inflammatory than him just saying, hey, let's peacefully protest and fight to save our republic. Let's encourage them or show them that we don't want them to certify the election. That's all he really said. And every candidate, every campaign for like 100 years has used rhetoric like, we're going to fight hard and we're never going to give up and we're going to fight back and we're going to punch hard, we're going to hit hard. These are metaphors or just sort of colloquial expressions that we have about competing with someone. I mean, even if you go to like a high school basketball game, you'll hear rhetoric from cheerleaders that could be interpreted as inciting violence. Like, go fight, win. Like, are they they telling the basketball team to fight the other basketball team? No. So they're taking this stuff out of context. Obviously, he did inflame the tension in the political climate by speaking what he believed, that the election was stolen. 
But what's he supposed to do? Just keep his mouth shut? Is he just supposed to be quiet? Because last I checked, you have the right to freedom of expression in this country. And I guarantee you that even if Trump hadn't said anything, all of those who doubt the outcome of this election now would still doubt the outcome of the election. So they're just trying to get him prosecuted and convicted of any crime they can to try to encourage or provide an avenue for the state legislatures to get him off the ballots so that he's not a competitive contender for the presidency. And once they have secured that, we're going to hear things like announcements of Hunter Biden being pardoned. We're going to see a shift later on in the election cycle where Joe Biden isn't going to be the candidate anymore and they're going to usher someone in sort of last minute very secretly and quickly. So there isn't a lot of time to prepare any sort of counter campaign against them. And then with RFK running as an independent, they're going to try to split the vote against Donald Trump. And that's how they're going to usher in a candidate that we don't even know who it's going to be yet. But the candidate for the Democrats is not someone who we are certain who it's going to be yet. That's what's so creepy about this. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back after this break. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Check out our awesome deals today. Ultra 12 is back. Experience the power of V12. I love that stuff. I take it every day. It tastes delicious. 40% off. Shop now at InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. Please listen closely because this is life-changing critical information. The globalists are bombarding us with toxic chemicals hitting us in the air, the water, the food, the 5G, the poison shots, the shedding, the GMO, all of it. But God's given us compounds through nature that do incredible things in our body. And one of the most important, if not the most important, is vitamin B12. We've got the best organic vitamin B12 Ultra 12, a bestseller, finally back in stock after close to a year being sold out. You take it under the tongue for better absorption, and it's 40% off right now at InfoWarsStore.com. So go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Get your Ultra 12 and other great products for 40% off. Some products are even more, and it keeps the show on the air. That is a 360 win. The only way you lose is not taking action. I thank you all for your support, being part of this fight. Now go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed, dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. More international developments underway. We'll step away from this 
talk about this prosecution of Trump and let's talk about other elections that are going on around the world or lack thereof. Putin looks set to run for president in 2024 and there's no opposition. This is typical for what we've seen in Russia since the collapse of the Soviet Union. We see these elections that don't really seem or feel like elections. Maybe they are. I don't know. There's never opposition. Maybe because anyone who seems to oppose Putin has a tendency to get in a plane accident. Russian President Vladimir Putin has reportedly decided to run in the March 2024 presidential election. Pretty late in the game for somebody running for president of a major country. But with no competition, I guess you can make those decisions later. You have that luxury. With little to no opposition in Russia, it's likely that Putin will be in office until at least 2030 and could continue his tenure until 2036. That's actually good news. I'm not somebody who is a a major fan of Putin. There are some things I like about him. The first thing I like about him is he's obviously very smart. The second thing I like about him is he definitely loves his country. And the third thing, which is related to the second, is I, I just like any leader who's a populist of their own nation, like a nationalist of their own nation. He's all about Russian sovereignty. He believes in national sovereignty, which I support. But I am aware that he does things like blow up airplanes, arrest arrest members of the press. Obviously, everyone feels too intimidated to run against him. So there's definitely a heavy hand in terms of what's going on in Russia under his leadership. But the nice thing about him is we know that when he is the leader of Russia, we don't seem to have nuclear war with Russia. That's one of the major national security risks or threats of Russia is what happens when Putin leaves. He either ages out, retires, or he dies. We don't really know who's going to replace him. And that person could be a loose cannon. So what if a maniac replaces Putin and is suddenly responsible for the second largest or the third largest or even the first largest, I don't know where they rank now, nuclear arsenal in the world. That's why Russia's always been a national security problem for the United States. That's why we always do everything we can with NATO to try to bully them and keep them in a corner and make sure we can sanction them and control their economy. Because we know that just because we're getting along with one leader, just because there's peace with one leader, doesn't mean that there will be peace with the next. Analysts say that the bitter truth in modern Russia is that there is no one left who can really oppose Putin. Russian President Vladimir Putin delivers a speech during the concert marking the city day on September 9th, 2023 in Moscow, Russia. Putin and Moscow's mayor, Sobyanin, excuse me, who's expected to be reelected this week, took part in the festive event. So... He's going to be running in the fall. But the funny thing, excuse me, the spring, but the funny thing about this is we have been supporting Ukraine based on the fact that Ukraine is the only democracy in the region or Ukraine is a, is a democracy and this is a dictatorship that's been coming down on them. But they're actually having, if not, a, it is at least a faux election. They're having an election in, in the spring. And Zelensky has come out and said that it's not the right time for elections in Ukraine. So Russia's going to have an election, but Ukraine's not. Let's go ahead and run clip three from the other day. If you can't give us, can't give us some financial support, okay, okay, please give us a credit and we will give you back money after the war. (laughs) Yeah. So now Zelensky is so desperate for resources that he's begging individuals to loan money 
to Ukraine in this war effort. That's how bad things are getting. And one of the things that concerns me about what's happening with him is he seems to be the only one within or among the leadership that is still deluded enough to believe that he can save Ukraine from losing this war. His leaders seem to be murmuring and having rumors and making statements that are sort of doubtful or antagonistic toward the positive outcome perspective. And when you have a situation like that, I feel like he's going to get Valkyried. Of course, Operation Valkyrie being the famous assassination attempt of Adolf Hitler during World War II, when the war was clearly being lost, the war was clearly not going to be a victory for Germany, but Hitler hadn't acknowledged that yet, was refusing to allow people to retreat, was still running the war as if there was hope for victory, even though there was no hope for victory. And when you have a situation like that, suddenly you have members of your leadership who have to decide between their men or their sort of duty to follow orders. So if you are in a position of leadership and you've seen hundreds or thousands of your men die in combat, you've seen men shipped off who don't come back, you've heard the reports from your comrades in the field about how terrible things are going, and then you go up to somebody like Zelensky and they say, no, we're going to do this counteroffensive, we're going to do this, 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 that, and this. We're never, we're never going to negotiate for, with Russia. You start to think, all right, well, would the right thing for me to do to be to follow orders or would the right thing for me to do, would that be for me to have like a military coup? So I think he's really bringing himself close to that sort of a situation where there's going to be a military coup. And even months ago, they were his leadership was complaining about him because he was skimming a disproportionate amount of the aid for himself. So we know that there's so much corruption in Ukraine that they've been stealing large portions of the aid, the over $100 billion that we've given them, all the leadership, including Zelensky. And there were murmurings that generals and other leaders in his cabinet were sort of disgusted with Zelensky for taking too much for himself, and there wasn't enough for them to skim or the right proportion of their fair share. So if they were disgruntled on him then... And now he's sending them into combat situations where there's really no hope for victory. And he's sending their men, people they are actually affectionate for, into combat situations where there's no victory or hope for victory. Then you're really just setting things up for a military coup in Ukraine. And I'm sure that Putin could find a way to sponsor that fairly easily. You pay people off. You promise to pardon them. And they take over the country. And all of a sudden you have a puppet government running Ukraine. It'll still be Ukraine in name. But it would be run by Russia because everybody would be installed by Russia, similar to how we attempt to install people all over the world, although we're not very good at it. And that would be the circumstance, especially since we know his approval ratings have gone down in light of his corruption and the pain of this war. And he's shutting off the elections like that. That's just asking for it. Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky said in a Monday address that it is not the right time for elections in Ukraine as the end of his five-year term approaches. Zelensky argued in his Monday video address that Ukraine should not have to deal with elections as it continues to attempt to fend off Russia, which invaded Ukraine in February of 2022. He previously had not ruled out Ukraine holding a presidential contest next year, though elections are currently suspended in the country under martial law. And finally, the ways of any politically divisive things must stop, he said Monday. We must realize that now is the time of defense, the time of the battle that determines the fate of the state and people, not the time of manipulations, which only Russia expects from Ukraine. 
and believe that now is not the right time for elections, and giving society all the necessary answers so that there is no room left for conflicts and someone else's game against Ukraine, he said. Presidential elections in Ukraine are scheduled to take place every five years, with the next one slated for next March. Zelensky was sworn into office in May of 2019, meaning that his five-year term is set to expire in a few months. Ukrainian First Lady Olena Zelenska said in September that she did not know whether her husband would run for re-election in 2024. She also said at the time that the country's ability to organize a free and fair election could factor into whether he would run for a second term. Man, if I were him, I would have the elections and I would not run. That might be his like way to survive. I ran a poll on my Twitter account the other day where I asked a few I asked, I asked what the audience, what the followers thought was going to happen to Zelensky. One of them was like assassination was an option. Another one was forced resignation, but peaceful. I think one of the options was voluntary re- resignation. And it's so evenly split. <laughs> I've never seen a poll like that where it was just that evenly split among the different outcomes. Nobody really knows what's going to happen, but pretty much everybody knows that he's not going to win the war and he's not going to be the president of Ukraine for very much longer. We're going to cut to a break, and we're going to cover more news in the next hour. In the meantime, Ultra 12 is 40% off at InfoWars Store. After being sold out for months, Ultra 12 is finally back in stock and being made available at an unprecedented discount of 40% off. Ultra 12 from InfoWars Life took the familiar secret 12 formula and singled out one powerful ingredient. Made with methylcobalamin, the most effective and expensive form of B12 available, Ultra 12 provides you with twice the B12. Because B12 is a necessary nutrient that isn't found in any vegetables, it can be difficult to attain. Instead of getting painful B12 injections or taking weaker formulas, you can support your energy production with the superior form of B12. With a single ingredient, Ultra 12 can help you. I highly recommend that you visit InfoWarsStore.com today. All of our products are amazing. I take the B12 every day. I'm going to take some actually during this break. And we'll be back in the next hour with more news, followed by a special guest and calls in the third hour. Please uh, remember... We are listener-supported, and we've got something back in stock that everybody needs that is so good to have in your medicine cabinet sports broadcast. We've got the best 30 parts per million colloidal silver out there. It's Silver Bullet. It's at InfoWarsStore.com. And you want to support the show, plus have something in your medicine cabinet, have to give to others. It's topical. You can also take it orally. Uh, it is. It really does a lot of amazing things, anti-infection, you name it. Nothing's a silver bullet, but it's as close to a silver bullet as you're going to get. Silver bullet, back in stock, discounted, InfoWarsStore.com. And we also have Brain Force Ultra, the incredible, fast-acting nootropic, back in stock. 60% off part of the big sale. The new sale we've got, immune support, organic, green fibers, 50% off. Those are both incredible. Vitamin D3 gummies, amazing. InfoWarsStore.com. Or 888-253-3139. The Biden administration uh, has just put forward a plan for digital equity. And it is a plan for all Internet services and all infrastructure. According to uh, FCC Commissioner Carr, President Biden's plan hands the administrative state effective control of all Internet services and infrastructure in the country. 
Never before in the roughly 40-year history of the public Internet has the FCC, or any federal agency for that matter, claimed this degree of control over it. The plan calls for the FCC to apply a far-reaching set of government controls that the agency has not applied to any technology in the modern era. He went on and said Congress never contemplated the sweeping regulatory regime that President Biden asked the FCC to adopt, let alone authorize the agency to implement it. As with everything else the Biden administration is doing, his broadband policies are failing and the building of Internet infrastructure in this country, uh, the price of it has gone through the roof. FCC wants new 5G broadband services. But it's all needlessly been blocked and delayed by new broadband uh, infrastructure um, regulatory red tape. So the government is blocking the private sector from doing it and then using that to say, see, we need to take complete control. This is breathtaking control of all information. The rules, the The rules that are suggested and are going to be voted on quick hurry next week. The federal government has a roving mandate to micromanage nearly every aspect of how the Internet functions from how Internet service providers allocate capital where they build to the services that consumers can purchase from the profits that ISPs can realize and how they market and advertise services to the discounts and promotions that consumers can receive. If passed, the FCC will be empowered for the first time to regulate every ISP's service termination terms, use of customer credit, account history, credit checks, account termination, among other items. He said, This plan reads like a document drawn up in the faculty lounge of a university's Soviet studies department. It it includes plans to empower the FCC to regulate every single aspects, uh, aspect of the Internet for the first time ever. You have uh, an FCC policy advisor who has just read the plan. He said, quote, to call it extreme or radical doesn't do this proposal justice. Phil Kirpin has just come out and said Biden is turning digital discrimination into a pretext for regulating everything. For equity, this is so far reaching that it will mean even the blaze because we are on the backbone of the Internet. We can be completely separate, everything. But because we're on the backbone of the Internet, we will now have to comply by government FCC regulations. I have done broadcast under FCC regulations for 48 years. I know what FCC regulations are like. I also started before Reagan, I think it was before Reagan, uh, deregulated the uh, radio waves and television waves. 
I will tell you that um, those regulations today would put this show out of business. I could not do what I do today if they just went back to the regulations that were in the FCC back in the 40s and 60s and 80s. Watching the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. And what we saw in that first five minutes of the hour was Glenn Beck commenting on these new sweeping regulations that the Biden administration seems to be a proponent of or advocating or actually manifesting regarding how the internet works. And of course, like everything, tyranny kind of comes in the guise of helping the vulnerable, helping the poor, protecting the rights of some group. And so they make it about equity, but it has nothing to do with that. The U.S. is to spend $42 billion to make internet access universal by 2030. White House on Monday divvied up $42 billion among the nation's 50 states and U.S. territories to make access to high-speed broadband universal by 2030 as it launched a new publicly, excuse me, a new publicity campaign for President Joe Biden's economic policies. The funding under the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program was authorized by the $1 trillion 2021 infrastructure law Biden championed. Spending will be based on a newly released Federal Communications Commission coverage map that details gaps in access. Texas and California, the two most populous U.S. states, top the funding list at $3.1 billion and $1.9 billion, respectively. But other less populous states like Virginia, Alabama, and Louisiana cracked the top 10 list for funding due to lack of broadband access. These states have large rural areas with less Internet connectivity than their major cities. Of course, Starlink is basically just going to solve this anyway. Quote, it's the biggest investment in high-speed internet ever because for today's economy to work for everyone, internet access is just as important as electricity or water or other basic services, Biden said in a White House address on Monday. Of course, this is the type of language that politicians use when they want to get something sort of reframed as a utility or a basic right so that they can then control it. And they issued a fact sheet regarding this. This is on June 26th of this year. It sort of went under my radar until I saw that Glenn Beck clip. Fact sheet, Biden-Harris administration announces over $40 billion to connect everyone in America to affordable, reliable, high-speed internet. Goes on to say high-speed internet is no longer a luxury. This is from the whitehouse.gov. It is necessary for Americans to do their jobs, to participate equally in school, access health care, and to stay connected with family and friends. Yet more than 8.5 million households and small businesses are in areas where there is no high-speed internet infrastructure. And millions more struggle with limited or unreliable internet options, just like Franklin Delano Roosevelt's Rural Electrification Act brought electricity to nearly every home and farm in America. President Biden and Vice President Harris are delivering on their historic commitment to connect everyone in America to reliable, affordable, high-speed internet by the end of the decade. Okay, so what are the details? Awards range from $27 million to over $3.3 billion per state, depending on population and gaps in connectivity. With these allocations and other Biden administration investments, all 50 states, D.C., and the territories now have the resources to connect every resident and small business to reliable, affordable, high-speed internet by 2030. 
We go on to talk about Internet for All. Today's announcement of BEAD, which is the acronym, of course, funds is just one component of the Biden-Harris administration's effort to ensure that everyone in America has access to affordable, reliable. They say the same stuff over and over again because they just really want to drill it into your head, guys. In recent weeks, the administration has announced over $700 million in USDA Reconnect Awards and over $900 million in NCIA Middle Mile Awards and launched the Online for All campaign to increase ACP enrollment and visibility. Beyond bead, billions have already been announced or distributed to all states and territories to build out high-speed internet. So... Basically, they're framing it as this major connectivity program, and they have this fact sheet here. But the FCC commissioner has called Biden's equity plan for Internet control sweeping, unprecedented, and unlawful. So it sort of ties into that funding to get everybody on the Internet. The Federal Communications Commission commissioner, Brendan Carr, is calling the Biden administration's digital equity plan for all Internet services and infrastructure an unlawful power grab. So how does this play out as an unlawful power grab quote president biden's plan hands the administrative state effective control of all internet services and infrastructure in the country never before in the roughly 40 year history of the public internet has the fcc or any federal agency for that matter claimed this degree of control over it indeed president biden's plan calls for the fcc to apply a far-reaching set of government controls that the agency has not applied to any technology in the modern era including title ii common carriers Carr said in a statement on monday Carr previewed an important FCC vote next week on November 15th about whether to implement the president's plan. Tweeted, next week the FCC will vote on President Biden's plan to give administrative state effective control of all internet services and infrastructure. I oppose Biden's sweeping unprecedented and unlawful plan. Congress never contemplated the sweeping regulatory regime that President Biden asked the FCC to adopt, let alone authorized the agency to implement it, he said. He explained that the Biden administration's broadband policies are failing and the costs of building Internet infrastructure in this country have skyrocketed due to its economic policies. While the FCC has been looking to expand new 5G services, it has needlessly blocked and delayed new broadband infrastructure builds because of regulatory red tape. If passed, the FCC would be empowered for the first time to regulate every ISP's service termination terms, use of customer credit, account history, credit checks, an account termination, among many other items. This is this is the one sentence right here at the bottom that matters. This is what Glenn was talking about. So the ISP is the internet service provider. They are the ones that actually provide you with internet at your house. Many of us have Verizon or Google Fiber or AT&T. And as you know, if you moved from one part of town to another part of town or one city to another city, oftentimes when you go to a new location, there may only be one option. Because it's a very difficult business to get in with a lot of regulations, so there aren't a lot of people that are just running around as internet service providers. So there's a couple of big names, a few big names that have really gotten into the business, and they pretty much have the monopoly on it, sort of like big tech. And so if this legislation passes, the FCC would be empowered for the first time to regulate every ISP's service termination terms. So your internet service provider can terminate their service to you for a number of reasons. I haven't looked at all the terms directly. I haven't even read the terms for my ISP, for example. But I imagine if you're doing illegal things on the internet, then your internet service provider can cut you off. Like things like underage, nudity, inappropriate content like that. If you're engaged in terrorist activity, if you're sending money to organizations that you're not lawfully allowed to send money to, if you're purchasing illegal substances over the internet, things like that, the ISP can cut you off. Or if they just don't like you, I imagine that they can. But now, if the 
FCC is going to have that sort of jurisdiction, then all of a sudden we become vulnerable as a people, not only to whether or not a corporation is woke, but to whether or not the politicians in charge of the FCC are comfortable with the things that we say and do on the internet or the things that we say and do at all. So InfoWars, obviously, is a very controversial news platform. It's constantly reported on by the mainstream media because they don't want you to watch us because we are their competitor. And they lie about us, and then they shut us down so that we can't respond on any traditional platforms, any big tech platforms. But imagine if it wasn't just the Googles or the Twitters or the Facebooks or the Instagrams that got together and conspired to censor InfoWars, but if it was just up to some committee at the FCC to say, you know what, we're not going to allow that company to have internet in its building, then we would never be able to broadcast to you unless, of course, we were just using our cell phones somehow. But this is a path to censorship and control that is unprecedented. It's very ugly. And you'll see, like we read from the White House and the other announcements regarding this plan, they frame it as a way to make sure that everybody has high-speed internet all over the country, like it's going to help poor people or people in rural communities. It's going to help kids do better at school. And really what it's about is making sure that they have all of the control over the internet, how it's used, tracking everything that's done on the internet – all of your data, every, every website you've ever, ever gone to, every embarrassing thing you've ever done, said, or viewed on the internet, the government then would be able to look at that traffic, look at that feed, and potentially leverage that information against you. It seems to me to be a, a very, very serious violation of personal privacy, probably the Fourth Amendment. I hope that it doesn't hold up, but this seems to me to be very inappropriate. We're going to cut to break right now. We'll be back in the next segment with more news make sure you visit infowarsstore.com today check out the ultra 12 which is back experience the power of b12 it's 40 percent off you can shop now great job with the graphics on infowarsstore.com that looks awesome i can't wait to have some b12 this afternoon we'll be right back we have not had this many of our best-selling products back in stock in years because of supply chain breakdowns and all the rest of the stuff that's going on. And these are game-changing products. It's like our information's game-changing. These products are incredible. And I'm personally glad that these are now back in stock. All three of the InfoWars Platinum flagship products that have been sold out for months are now back in stock, but a very limited run because we only had a budget to get three or 4,000 bottles of each one of these. I think we got... 4,000 bottles of the HGH Max Boost that people love so much. We've got about 4,000 bottles of 1776 Testosterone Boost that just came in. And we've got about 3,000 bottles of Pain MD, incredible natural pain reliever situation. All three of these are back in stock, and they're incredible, and they fund our operation at InfoWarsStore.com. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me. Not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because 
you're a bad person because you're a good person. Because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. And that's why I want you to always remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. This song always makes me want to watch The Office so badly. Such a good song. It was my, yeah, Office Space, excuse me. I always mix them up. That was my hooky song whenever I would pretend to be sick in high school or I would watch Office Space, hooky song, hooky movie. So a couple of great reports coming out from warroom.org. Great work coming from the writers over there and, of course, Steve Bannon. They're tying together Hunter Biden's Chinese firm brokered illicit weapons deals for Qatar and Libya, which fund Hamas. Moreover, Hunter Biden's Chinese firm helped Iranian company access sanctioned funds and broker illegal oil deals. Of course, we know that Iran Iran is responsible for funding Hamas as well and supporting and training Hamas. And then finally, Google-backed Biden-linked tech firm behind central bank digital currency funds New program that fines and penalizes users for sharing misinformation. So the Bidens have successfully positioned themselves for their entirety of their careers to expand the deep state, empower the deep state, and make money off of it at the same time. And it's probably why they've never actually come under any sort of judgment because a lot of the things that they found a way to make money off of are things that our deep state wants so badly. We know that after 9-11, it was used as a pretext to usher in the Patriot Act, which was then, of course, used to create mass surveillance both domestically and abroad. And, of course, that came out as the fact of the matter with Edward Snowden, and he had to flee the country to Russia of all places. But nobody was held accountable here. And even though most of the Patriot Act has expired, It's almost certainly the case that the government is still doing all of the same things that it was doing before. After all, whenever the CIA or the FBI gets caught doing anything corrupt, it never seems like anyone actually is held accountable. We get reports from these institutions that, oh, they changed management or they moved someone to a different position, similar to the reports that we heard from the Catholic Church after they got busted for moving pedophiles from parish to parish. And so we see here that, speaking of pedophiles, we've had the Bidens— Investing in these sort of deep state operations, making millions upon millions of dollars on kickback, lining their own pockets to the tune of millions upon millions of dollars, 10% for the big guy, of course. And no one's ever held them accountable because why would the Department of Justice or the FBI or the CIA get in the way of these politicians who are basically operating as operatives on their behalf? So if the intelligence community wants Iran or Hamas or Libya or Qatar to be armed so that there's likely to be terrorism in the Middle East, which they could then use as a pretext to get us involved in World War III so that we can protect the petrodollar, why would they stop these politicians from doing this? 
And frankly, we've seen from the emails that many of the communications and relationships that Hunter Biden had were with people that were, if not in the intelligence community, people that were formerly in the intelligence community. So it was all sort of just one conglomerated mass of power and corruption of which no one to this day has been held accountable. And there's no way that Hunter's ever going to go to prison for any of this because we know that if Joe Biden is about to leave office, the first thing that he's going to do is just do a universal pardon across the board. And it's a common misconception that you actually have to be charged with a crime in order to be pardoned for it. Mass pardoning is something that the president can do. Nixon was not charged formally with any any crimes, and he was pardoned and let off the hook. So I think what's going to happen is Hunter's going to get pardoned. Biden's going to step out at some point, and that's going to be the end of the story. I think they're going to actually get away with it. I could be totally wrong about this, but it seems to me that the evidence has been publicly available for, what is it now, three years? 2019, 2020? It was the summer of 2020, I think, that this laptop really became public information. So we've had researchers, journalists, individuals looking into this laptop, the texts, the emails, the details of it for years, four years now, three years now. And no one has been held accountable. And our intelligence community is always acting like it's doing an investigation or collecting more evidence. But how much more evidence do you possibly need to collect? I mean, it was all on the laptop. I think the reason that Hunter Biden hasn't been prosecuted any further yet is because I think he's cooperating. He's flipped. And he's working for him. He was working for him before on the one hand, but now that he's busted, he's working for him on the other hand. I suppose the worst case scenario for him would be that he would get epstein or something of that nature. But they wanted Joe Biden, of all the people, of all the 350 million people that could be president of the United States in this country, the Democrats decided to run Joe Biden not because he was some sort of brilliant mass of talent and charm, but because they knew that he was entirely malleable and that he was compromised. So if you're entirely compromised in terms of the intelligence community, knowing every crime that you committed, knowing every crime that your son has committed, both personal crimes and sort of inappropriate crimes in terms of behavior with minors and things like that, and actual political crimes, political corruption, if the intelligence community knows all that about you, they can come to your door and they can say, I'm sorry, I know you wanted to retire, but you are going to be president. The upside for you is that you'll be able to pardon Hunter and no one's going to get in trouble, but you're going to do everything that we say while you're the president of the United States. And that's why we've had a president who's been on vacation more than he's been in the office. Because the intelligence community wants to run the country. It's why they hated Trump so much, because Trump was actually running the country. It's why they hated JFK so much, because JFK was actually running the country. The intelligence community wants to run the country because they believe that they have the best interests of the national security of the United States in mind. They believe that they are more intelligent, more competent, more righteous. And so rather than have our country led by the whim of any given person every four or eight years— They do everything they can to make sure they can compromise our leaders as much as possible because, after all, that is how they can control them. And so while every wrong decision seems to have been made by this president along the way, it does seem to be conducive to an intelligence agenda. If the intelligence community wants us to be involved in World War III for one reason or the other, if it's because they want to unseat Iran before the next leader comes in Iran and – 
nuclear power, or if they want to protect the petrodollar and ensure that oil is perpetually traded with U.S. dollars. Whatever reason that they want us to be in the Middle East, they have catalyzed that environment with this president. By having him make every wrong decision, every seemingly stupid decision, we are in a position now where we can get back to the Middle East. And we know that the intelligence community wants us in the Middle East for one reason or another. If we don't know the reason, we know they want us there because after 9-11, they had us invade Afghanistan, and then they had us invade Iraq over the lies of weapons of mass destruction. Then for some reason, we decided to assassinate Gaddafi or wipe him out for who knows why. So for some reason... The powers that be want us in the Middle East. And it could just be as simple as military contractors wanting the business. But I think the reasons are more nefarious and intentional than that. I think it has to do with the petrodollar. And so we have a compromised president, if not compromised by China, then compromised by our very own intelligence community, which has become the unchecked fourth branch of government held accountable by no one. Stick with us, folks. A great guest in the next segment, George Papadopoulos, will be joining us. Visit InfoWarsStore.com and make sure you don't go too far away because a great guest is on the other side. Please listen closely because this is life-changing critical information. The globalists are bombarding us with toxic chemicals hitting us in the air, the water, the food, the 5G, the poison shots, the shedding, the GMO, all of it. But God's given us compounds through nature that do incredible things in our body. And one of the most important, if not the most important, is vitamin B12. We've got the best organic vitamin B12, Ultra 12, a bestseller, finally back in stock after close to a year being sold out. You take it under the tongue for better absorption, and it's 40% off right now at InfoWarsStore.com. So go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Get your Ultra 12 and other great products. And for 40% off, some products are even more, and it keeps the show on the air. That is a 360 win. The only way you lose is not taking action. I thank you all for your support, being part of this fight. Now go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal. With your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host today, Chase Geyser. And with us for the next two segments, I have a very distinguished guest. George Papadopoulos is a former member of the Foreign Policy Advisory Panel to Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and a former advisor to Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson. George was thrust into the public spotlight after being targeted by an FBI sting operation to falsely accuse President Trump of communicating with Russian agents through an unknown back channel. His book, Deep State Target, How I Got Caught in the Crosshairs of the Plot to Bring Down the President, is available on Amazon. I highly recommend this book i did actually read this book check him out at george papa papa 19 on x george it's an honor and a pleasure to be with you i think you've gotten married since the last time we spoke is that right <laughs> uh, yes uh, thanks a lot for having me chase uh, yes i have we have gotten married uh, since the last time we we spoke and a lot of things have been going on both personally and of course uh, nationally and internationally so it's uh, great to be back with you well congratulations on your 
marriage. Obviously, there's a lot going on in terms of the intelligence and foreign policy stuff going on right now. And so I, I am a layman who just looks into things with the limited critical thinking skills that I have. And I find myself, perhaps because I'm just a conspiracy-leaning guy, leaning toward, for some reason, the intelligence community wants us to be involved in World War III other than just a sort of sense of kinship for Israel and Judeo-Christian values, kind of how they say. What's really going on, man? Well, look, Chase, uh, I, I don't think you're wrong to have, uh, you know, some kind of thinking outside the box tendencies, uh, if you will, because uh, as uh, you explained at the introduction, look what we've gone through as a country since at least 2016 with the intelligence agencies. We've had the intelligence agencies subtly interfere in the 2016 election and then overtly in the 2020 election. Mm. And now the intelligence agencies, with the help of the media, and the so-called kangaroo courts are trying to thrust a former president in prison to prevent him from actually ascending to the White House. So uh, there's actually no reason for you to, um, you know, really put so much confidence in what the intelligence community is telling you, because they've actually been proven to be liars and they've been proven to not look out for the interests of the United States and its citizens. Now, moving forward and talking about the current situation, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you follow the narrative that's been established since October 7, October 8, is that uh, the Israeli uh, border security, let's say, between Gaza and Israel proper was breached by, you know, a group of very, you know, unsophisticated um, people from Hamas who, you know, really don't have training, don't really have sophisticated arms, don't have the ability to really maneuver throughout the external world. And this border was breached. It led to, you know, over a thousand people, you know, shamelessly, uh, you know, killed. It was, a, you know, of course, a horrific and disgusting uh, act when mm. any civilians, uh, you know, are murdered. And then that, of course, resulted in this, you know, overwhelming response by the Israeli forces based on, you know, its right to survive, its right to self-defense, et cetera. We've heard this narrative over and over over the last, I don't know, 15 years, ever since, you know, the, the Hamas was established in Gaza. Now, what's interesting about the current situation is something that I've really been involved with since 2010 and just looking at the current, uh, you know, trade routes and the energy situation is that Israel and its situation geopolitically and even geoeconomically is not the same as it was in the 67 war, in the 73 war, or even when Hamas was founded before 2010. In 2010, natural gas and oil was discovered for the first time in history offshore Israel. Mm. This was a project that I was very intimately involved with from 2011 up until 2015, right before I advised Ben Carson and Donald Trump. And that's really why I was targeted with all the spying and all this nonsense, but that's a different story. And at the same exact moment, you had this collapse of relationships between Israel, Turkey, and Egypt, because of the Muslim Brotherhood coming into power, Turkey becoming this Islamist uh, powerhouse. So Israel found itself isolated. And so what did it have to do? It had to build these new alliances with Greece, with Cyprus, with the United States and India. So people keep asking, why is India so supportive of Israel all of a sudden? What's all this stuff going on with Modi, with Netanyahu? Why do you see all the Israeli flags waving with the Indian flags, all this kind of stuff? And the reason it's happening is because at the UN General Assembly just three or four weeks ago, I think it was four weeks ago, 
Netanyahu held up a map of the Middle East. And he said, two years ago, when I came to this UN General Assembly, I was holding up a picture of a bomb showing how close Iran was apparently to a nuclear weapon. Today, meeting at the UN General Assembly, I'm showing a new trade map, a new architecture of the Middle East that redefines borders, redefines trade routes and energy. And this is what we're working on. Now, that map that he showed, and this is public knowledge, this isn't conspiracy stuff, he was at the UN General Assembly holding this. It shows a trade route from India through the United Arab Emirates into Saudi Arabia and Israel exporting goods into Europe. Now, why is this interesting? Because during the Trump administration, you had the Abraham Accords. Mm -hmm. And those Abraham Accords, the United Arab Emirates, of course, was part of that. Saudi Arabia now is in discussions or have been in discussions to build a alliance with Israel. And India and Israel have actually ossified this geopolitical uh, relationship over the last uh, five years or so under Modi. So what I'm trying to say here is the moment that this new trade corridor that actually the United States is backing openly with Biden to really uh, overturn or usurp the Chinese trade route that they have sought to establish called the One Belt, One Road. Mm -hmm. You had this massacre happen. You had this tit for tat. You had all of this carnage once again. And I believe, and I'm not saying that the Israelis did an inside job. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that I think that the attack by Hamas was a perfect excuse by the U.S. intelligence community, by the Israelis, by the West in general, to really eradicate Hamas once and for all, no matter what the cost was to the civilians, to mm-hmm. Gaza, the Palestinian people, in order to create this corridor that actually goes directly through what is part of Gaza. And if you just look at the map, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about here. So it's called the India Middle East Europe Economic Corridor. And I posted it on X if people are interested, they could follow the map of what I'm talking about here. So what I think is really happening is that's one issue. And the second issue, probably even more important than that, people keep saying, why is Turkey, which is NATO's second largest uh, military, why is Turkey all of a sudden thrust into this conflict? Why is it Turkey all of a sudden not meeting with Anthony Blinken? Why are they saying that we don't recognize Netanyahu anymore? Why are they hosting these multi-million people rallies calling for Turkish mm-hmm. troops in Gaza, Turkish troops in Jerusalem? The reason that this is happening is because Turkey has been vying with India and Israel to be the trade corridor hub for both the energy that I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation from the Mediterranean and with China shipping goods into Europe. So Turkey has a lot to lose. Now, you look at Egypt. This is another issue. Historically, all of this trade from Asia into Europe goes through the Suez Canal. Mm -hmm. Egypt gets around $8 billion through transit fees a year in an impoverished country that's run by a military dictatorship. And I know Egypt very well because I actually had organized the meeting that Trump had with Egypt's president while he was a candidate at the UN General Assembly. And Egypt, the reason you see Egypt say, hey, we're not taking in the Palestinians, we don't want these people, is because they understand And if they take in the Palestinians, two things are going to happen to them. One, Hamas is simply going to launch rocket attacks from their territory into Israel. And two, it's going to allow them 
to be in direct competition with the Israelis for this trade route. So that is a really, I guess, short summary of what's happening. Wow. Well, we're gonna, we have to cut the break here in about 10 seconds, so stick with us. we got one more segment with you, George. I have so many questions. I could talk to you for hours. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We'll get more into it in the next segment, folks. Make sure in the meantime you visit InfoWarsStore.com and check out Deep State Target on Amazon today. Get George's book. It is outstanding. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. Finally, after close to a year, in early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic. You take it out of the tongue so you get better absorption of the body through your blood vessels and what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything. And it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888-253-3139. And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWar as well. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geiser, your host today with a very special guest, George Papadopoulos. Thank you so much, George, for being so gracious with your time and sharing a piece of your expertise with, with us this morning. When I look at things like all of the weapons we seemingly foolishly left behind in Afghanistan and different reports, I'm hearing that this attack on October 7th had been planned for a couple of years, basically since we left Afghanistan. And then taking that into consideration with the fact that we know Mossad is a very sophisticated intelligence organization. We know it was the 50-year anniversary almost to the day of Yom Kippur. It seems to me very hard to believe that they didn't know it was going to happen. I'm not saying that Israel as a government planned it. But do you think that they were complicit? Well, look, I mean, the heads have to roll. I mean, no matter what really went ha- what really happened here, the, really the blame squarely is on Netanyahu because at the end of the day, the prime minister's principal duty is to protect his citizens, right? right? So um, I don't think Netanyahu is actually going to survive this politically. I mean, he's facing corruption 
you know, charges simultaneously with this fiasco. And uh, I don't think this is going the way that the Israelis hoped it would, um, because it's very simple. The Middle East is not the same Middle East it was in 67, 73, 2008, 2003, or even five years ago. Things are moving very quickly. The Middle East today is actually probably more unified, meaning the Muslim world is more uh, unified than it has been in decades. It's more sophisticated technologically, militarily, economically. They're more integrated as a whole. And you really are seeing what's happening with this conflict for the first time really ever. And a lot of this has to do with China brokering the Iran-Saudi Arabia deal over the last year, is that even the Shiite Muslims with the Sunni Muslims are uniting and condemning what's going on. And when you add Russia in the Middle East, which really controls all of Syria, Wagner Group now sending anti-air defense systems into Lebanon to basically protect Hezbollah in the event of a conflict in the north, and China openly condemning Israel and saying we're supporting a Palestinian state, with the United States now sending military into the region, it doesn't bode well for the United States citizen or the United States taxpayer, because if COVID, if World War III is a new COVID, which that's what it really looks like is happening, because uh, instead of actually focusing on the domestic home front, securing our border and uh, helping the American uh, you know, citizen, what's Biden doing? He's just launching all these foreign wars to distract people, to raise inflation, to destroy the economy. And I think if this situation continues to heat up based with any of these people, with any of these countries, including Russia, China, Iran, Turkey, then I think, uh, you know, we're going to see another rally around the flag type of distraction into this election year. And that's something that I hope the American people see right through, vote this guy out, get Trump back into office or somebody, you know, similar to him, which I don't think there is uh, in this GOP field. And really set America back on course because uh, this is actually where we're going. With the changing landscape abroad, is there any path forward for China to do something like subvert the dollar in terms of being a global reserve currency? Now that Ukraine is basically going to be under control of Russia, and I'm not sophisticated in this space. Obviously, you are. That's why I'm talking to you. But it seems like they could replace a lot of their trade, their agriculture imports from the United States with working with Ukraine through Russia then to sort of supplant that. And they could become independent of the United States in a way that they haven't been for the last, basically since the Great Leap Forward. If that were the case, would there be a, an avenue for them to switch the reserve currency, change how OPEC change, uh, exchanges or trades oil from the dollar to the yen? Well, I'm very happy that you mentioned that because uh, in the first segment, this entire uh, new trade route that I was describing, the redesigning or the restructuring of trade and energy is actually all part of China's plan to really embolden the BRICS to replace not only the U.S. as you know the preeminent superpower, but also the dollar as the reserve currency into this more multi-denominational, uh, you know, currency system or a BRICS-led, uh, you know, dollar replacement or even digitization of currency. And let me give you some just examples of what's happening as well. There, the World War III, in my opinion, has already started, and it started in Ukraine, 
but there's a lot of action on the continent of Africa too. People really aren't focusing what's happening there, but there's been four coups in various African countries over the past year and a half. France is a colonial, ex-colonial power in Africa, and that's where Wagner Group with Russia is really supporting a lot of these coups going against France and basically muscling the French government into telling them, look, two things are going to happen if you keep supporting Ukraine. One, you're going to have problems in your ex-colonies, which are your sources for most of your natural resources and minerals and uranium. And two, we're going to get these countries to join BRICS. And that's why South Africa is now a major country in this new BRICS alignment. You have Brazil. And what the Americans and the Europeans are terrified about, especially the, the Americans, are seeing these African countries actually align closer with Russia and China. So watch a lot of what's happening in Africa because it's very important regarding that. And the second thing is, by this trade structure that China's uh, developing called the One Belt, One Road, the reason I believe, and this is speculation at this point, but I think I'm going to be proven right. I think the reason that the Americans and the Europeans now are trying to make India the hub of this new trade corridor to basically try to replace China as the world's manufacturing hub is because they lost Afghanistan. And China and Russia are building these railroads, these rail, these pipelines, all of this stuff from China into Turkey, then into Europe. That's what the goal is. But they don't want India to go and join this group with BRICS because if India, with a population of over a billion, a potential new economic superpower, joins BRICS, it's game over. So I really think that's why you almost see the Biden administration now desperate to get this deal done with the Indians, with the Israelis, with Saudi Arabia and Israel, and to just wipe out Hamas once and for all to make sure that this corridor gets implemented. And I really think that's why so many people are confounded. Like, wait a minute, why is Biden all of a sudden, Bernie Sanders, all of these people so hawkish, you know, so war prone in Israel when the Democrat Party has gone so to the left and are actually kind of anti-Israel, anti, you know, uh, you know, this pro-Israel stance. Mm -hmm. And the main reason is, based on what you just said, it's about securing the dollar. It's about hindering BRICS, and is about cutting out the Chinese as the global manufacturing hub. Now, when you combine all of these together, it's going to be inevitable that there's going to be a conflict because it's a zero-sum game. Either the U.S. wins or China wins, and then you have the Russian aspect as well. So this is where, unfortunately, we're all going, and it really has to do with finance, with the dollar, with trade, and with oil and gas, and the people are left behind. So that explains why we have such an interest in supporting Israel, aside from the sort of traditional semantics that our politicians use about Judeo-Christian values and things like that. Why did we have such an interest in Ukraine? I mean, it seems so reckless to me that we would give them billions upon billions of dollars knowing that they were inevitably going to lose. We could have got the same outcome for free, right? So what was going on there? Yeah, U Ukraine is, uh, is, an, is another hornet's nest. Um, Ukraine basically, and, and look, when people say that this was a, you know, uh, impromptu or, you know, random invasion by Putin into Ukraine, I just laugh at it, right? Because you have to put yourself in, in his position. Imagine if Russia or China or Iran, let's say one of these axis of evil countries, if you want to call them that, 
began to finance fringe elements within Mexico who had aspirations of reclaiming lost Mexican territory in the American Southwest, Mm -hmm. Texas, et cetera, along the border. And that group not only was financing these fringe elements with these aspirations of reclaiming territory, but also this group and this country, which was harboring these elements, was then going to be part of a security guarantee with those countries that potentially would have missiles and even nuclear weapons facing the United States. Right. Now, of course, the United States would never allow Mexico to become that type of country. That's what Ukraine essentially was on the verge of becoming ever since the coup attempt in 2014. And um, what that was really all about, in my opinion, was cutting out the Russians from trading with Europe, making Ukraine this uh, NATO vassal state to be aggressive towards Russia. It failed. The Russians are going to win and the American taxpayer loses once again. Thank you so much for joining us, George. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Always fascinating to speak with you. And make sure, audience, that you guys check out Deep State Target on Amazon. It's an outstanding book. He's really, truly a brilliant mind in this space. I talk a lot about the great successes InfoWars has had. I don't think anybody can deny it. And it is because of listeners and viewers supporting us. But when we talk about the crew at InfoWars, people behind the scenes, the researchers, the writers... They really have been the MVPs in this fight. And when you look at Harrison Smith and Owen Schroyer and the hard work they engage in every day, five, six, seven days a week, it's really just incredible. So for myself and the whole InfoWars crew, I thank you for your past support. And I want to encourage you now to realize that InfoWars cannot stay on air if you do not support us. I know you spread the word. I know you pray for us. and That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But most viewers and listeners never go to InfoWarsStore.com. And you never buy great products that enrich and empower your life while at the same time keep us on air. I know that less than 1% of our listeners actually go buy products at InfoWarsTour.com. If just 1% more of you took action and went to InfoWarsTour.com, our funding problems will be over. Please take action now.